Hi, this is Jennifer Javornik, and you're listening to the Film and Games Podcast. This year, I attended the Games for Change Festival in New York City. Tune in to all the interviews in this series to hear insightful conversations with some of the best minds in educational gaming. Welcome to the Film and Games Podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Jennifer, and I'm here this week recording at Games for Change. Games for Change has been so different this year. Really, everyone is feeling that Games for Change is a global organization. It used to be in the olden days where I was the out-of-towner coming from Wisconsin, and that was a big deal. People are like, you traveled all the way from Wisconsin to come to this festival. Um, And this week, I've met people from Russia, Asia, the Middle East, and from South Africa. Um, Curious enough, my guest today is based in South Africa, and I'm going to allow him to introduce himself. Hi, everybody. My name is Glenn, Glenn Gillis. I'm the CEO of Seamonster. We're an impact gaming company based in Cape Town, South Africa. And I have another hat, which is that I'm also the chairperson of Games for Change Africa, which is a role I'm very excited about and looking forward to sharing more with everyone. So let's start with that. Tell me a little bit about how you got connected to Games for Change and why you decided to take on the chair position. Yeah, it's um, it's a lonely game, you know, being in the impact gaming space. Um, we find ourselves at the intersect between the entertainment space, the learning space, and I think you know that better than anyone. And when we first heard about Games of Change, which was uh, probably eight years, ten years ago, it was like, okay, so there are other people out there in the world. And we started making contact with them. Um, and just the more that we got to know about what the organization was doing, their global aspirations, the clearer it became to us that this was our natural home. And so uh, a few years ago, they gave me uh, the closing slot. It was, I think it was Saturday night, 12 o'clock back in our house. <laughs> needed to only have one glass of wine before <laughs> I did the session. Um, and then one thing led to another. And then the uh, Susanna and the board trusted us to set up the chapter. Uh, they have chapters in Latin America, Asia Pacific and Europe, but unfortunately Africa was not represented. And there incredible things happening across the continent and so two and a half years ago we had a half a hybrid uh, event just to kind of feel uh, out the process and learn from that and then uh, last year as part of Africa Games Week which happens in Cape Town at the end of November every year we ran the serious game uh, track under the brand the Games Would Change brand and it was amazing just who showed up? Oh, everybody. Um, you know, all the big gaming companies are fascinated about Africa. We're going to be the next billion everything, uh, next billion gamers, consumers, employees. We are the youngest continent. Average age is around 24. And by the way, we are a continent, not a country. They're 54, 55, depends on how you count countries. Uh, so there were all the big guys were there starting to kind of feel their way into the industry all the crazies like us who want to change the world, which was amazing. There was great representation from the local universities because we no longer need to prove that game-based learning is effective. I think that everyone is now clear everything is made better through a game. And so we were getting people from across different faculties were saying, 
I, I have this insights, I have this knowledge, and how do we make a game? So we were connecting those. We're very proud of the work that we do to make um, the gaming industry more inclusive, something I know which is important to you too. And so we had students, we ran a game jam, um, and, we, and we're not looking to duplicate really anything that's happening. It's really about an umbrella that brings people together. And Cape Town is uh, in the Southern Hemisphere, for those of you who don't know, and so it's the middle of summer, it's beautiful, it's an amazing place to visit, and so really there's no excuse not to be there uh, in the, for this year's event or next year's, so all good. We'll meet you all in Cape Town. <laughs> so is there anything, when you think of Africa as a continent mm, and all the yeah. various cultures within the continent of Africa, is there anything that you think that is unique uh, geographically, culturally, that actually um, informs the the games and positive impact community there? Absolutely. Um, I think there, there are three main sort of elements to that in my mind, and that is that we are a store of incredible narrative, art, uh, games that the world has really never seen. And if they have, unfortunately, they've not often been told from an African perspective. And let's agree that authentic creative experiences resonate around the world, you know, to reference K-pop and all the Korean phenomena, which just shows just be yourself, share your stories, and, and somehow that resonates. So I think our higher purpose is actually always about honoring the many cultures, the many stories, you know, we have to address the huge colonialist challenges we've had on the continent. And for me, until we start telling our own stories in our own voice, um, I think our work will not be complete. And specifically in the gaming industry, there's music and everything you could possibly want. So let's call that inspired by Africa. And there's huge opportunity to take those stories around the world. So this is not just for us to tell our own stories to ourselves, although that would be nice too. So that's part one. Part two of it is made in Africa. So, so this is about the industrial creative processes that we know need to drive game-based learning. And if we are to start to address the wicked challenges that we've set ourselves the tasks to do, um, we need builders, we need engineers, we need storytellers, we need all of the things. And with a billion people, you'd be you're surprised at the world-class expertise that exists there. Um, and this isn't just entry-level, let's run a nice game jam here. This is about building companies that really can unlock the potential of the creative industries more generally, but the learning industry and the, and the game industry specifically, because I think we have a unique advantage there because we have such a disadvantage in the fact that the traditional structures don't work. And so therefore we can... I hate this phrase, but leapfrog and really go to a mobile first, inclusive, visual, game-based learning uh, environment. And, and we need to do that in an industrial scale. And if we can do that, we can make it work everywhere. The third part to this is owned by Africa. And this is really important because if you are purely going to do work for hire, which is important, and again, I reference pillar two because you're not going to get to that industrial scale without that. Um, but if you don't really start to get that annuity income, that 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 royalty flowing back into the continent, then 
I might dare say that it's been extractive. You've really hired people by the hour. You've taken their stories and their talent for your commercial gain. And I think because we are an impact business ourselves, we need to realize we are also a business. And, and I'm not just talking about Seamonster, but I'm talking about impact gaming more generally. And so for us, the, the real sweet spot is when we've got all three of those cylinders over firing, a um, little bit of everything happening, and we're doing that across the continent. Um, so inspired by Africa, sort of made in Africa, and then kind of owned by Africa. And then we're really going to see you know, us compete on a global stage, which I, I know we can. Is the infrastructure there? Are you ready to go? Um, Amazon has uh, several thousand developers in Cape Town building large chunks of AWS. Not a call center. They have, they're building AWS in Cape Town, a big, big part of it. We have very sophisticated financial infrastructure. We have extremely sophisticated laws. In many cases, you know, it, it, it would surprise people. And, and that's just South Africa and Cape Town. Um, you know, of course, there are massive areas of need. But, but the first thing that most people will say when they start to visit countries in Africa is, wow, I'm surprised, I, you know, just, you didn't come to pick me up on an, at the airport in an elephant. <laughs> no, <laughs> we've got Uber like everybody else, you know. So, yeah, the bandwidth issue is being solved largely by Starlink. Um, I think we represent about 0.5% of the sort of entertainment gaming industry at about a billion dollars, but we've got 12% of the world's smartphones. So mm-hmm. right there is a, is a disconnect. So, so, yeah, the infrastructure is happening. And, again, because um, we've got this opportunity to get to the next gen, you know, when Starlink comes, which is imminent, it's launching soon for all of us, you'll feel a small benefit. We'll feel a massive benefit. But, yeah, it's much more sophisticated than people imagine. And, and come and see for yourself, you know. Cape Town is world-class city, uh, runs really well, as there are great cities, Lagos, uh, yeah, or too many to mention. So you founded Sea Monster 13 years ago? Yeah, yeah, because I'm insane, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what was the inspiration? Um, How did you get there? I think, so I kind of fell into the creative industries kind of by mistake. I'm a, I'm a business person, you know, I've really always believed in purpose-driven businesses and how they will always outperform businesses that are driven by pure short-term profit, which luckily is supported by the, the facts. Um, and I was fixing up, I ran an animation business for two years by mistake. Uh, <laughs> it was, uh, we were making TV series for Disney and others. And it was really the first time that I saw those three things that I was referencing earlier about this amazing you know, capacity to to create awesome experiences. And so uh, that was not my business, and, and it it's unfortunately didn't survive. Um, it was really hit quite badly by the 2008 financial crisis. Um, and then out of the ashes of that, at the ripe old age of 42, crazy, crazy, I started my first business, really, having fixed up other people's businesses. And I must say, not a single day has gone by where I'm not so grateful for the work that we do, the team that we built. Um, 
it's hard, hard, hard. You know, we're doing a few hard things. One, we're in Africa, we're in Cape Town, we're in South Africa. So that's tough. You know, it's not an easy support. We have no government support. In fact, often quite the contrary. We actively, you know, the governments are crazy, so we just ignore them. Um, we're a startup, so self-funded, you know, again, there is a VC community, but it's not really the same as it is here. I don't think anywhere else in the world actually is. Um, and then you're doing it in the creative industries, and then, hang on, you're going to do impact games. But I don't care about any of that, because... Um, you know, every day we just get up and we solve those problems. So it's you know, it's always going to be tough. Everyone's got to got to deal, get through the day. And I think that that purpose and and frankly, you know, just to give a shout out to you and for the conversation that we had prior to coming online here. You know, filament it was a huge inspiration to us and hearing some of the same things that you guys have gone through was like, great, okay, so, you know, we're having some normal problems here. I know, it was so funny. We did have a conversation before this and, like, every question you ask, I was like, oh, no, that's a mess. Oh, no, that doesn't work. And I was like, God, I don't feel like I'm being very helpful. And they're like, well, at least you're confirming that you're having the same, you face the same issues and we do. Spot on, spot on. I know. Well, tell me a little bit about some of the, your more recent projects or projects that you're really proud of? Thank you. Yeah. Um, so where we really work um, a lot is with large corporates. Um, we work at quite a strategic level. Um, you know, we're not in the advert gaming business to sell more baked beans. That's not what we do. We are purpose-led and um, we all know pretty soon in the conversation whether the client is there. Sometimes they know that they need a game, um, but often they are just telling us the challenge and they've tried everything else and they start to get a sense that a game is, is the way to go. So uh, we recently worked with uh, a big bank. Uh, we do a lot of work in financial education and entrepreneurship, things that you can't typically learn from a book, which you can learn really well from a game. Uh, we built our first game in Roblox. It's a tycoon game. In fact, probably the biggest game ever built in Africa in, in Roblox. Uh, it was tricky. It was a learning experience. So we've got 70 people in our team, 25 world-class engineers. So we're not scared of anything. And we know the process to follow, but of course, it's a new platform. Um, it's It's been the most effective engagement in the history of the bank. They've had to set up new channels uh, because they're just getting so much positive feedback from parents who are like, oh, is this what my kid's been doing? Thank you. You're teaching them something. And we don't tell the kids that that's what we're doing. They're just having fun, of course. Uh, but they're learning in that process, and we can see that. Well, so tell everyone that what the name of the game is it's so called, you can it's find called, it and play it. It's called Chow Town. So you start with a little restaurant, and, uh, yeah, you've got no resources, and you've got to go to work, and you've got to earn your customers' uh, trust, and you start to build out a restaurant. And it's all South African themed, so all the, the food that is unique to our area. So you'll know that um, being able, for people to be able to see themselves in the game is really critical. Um, there's, there's, it's, it's getting phenomenal success. But, yeah, that's Chowtown on, on Roblox. Um, I'm going to jump. Oh, let me stick with the kids category for a sec. The other one I'm really proud of is uh, a work that we did with Lemonade Day, which is based in Houston. Um, and for the last 15 years, they've taken almost a million kids through this real world six week program where you've got to 
you know, come up with an idea, pitch it to an investor, usually a parent, um, and then do the marketing. And eventually you're going to run a lemonade stand and you get to keep the money. Um, so they mailed us about five years ago. And, you know, one of those mails, I'm sure you get them like, here's a whole long story. What do you think? What do you think? I about- actually think I got the email for this project. <laughs> well, thank you for not. And I think I talked to him about it and the budget was just not going to work. <laughs> yeah, well, we did. We made it work. Um, exactly. And so we went back and we like, it looks like a game, smells like a game, but actually it's an LMS um, and not a particularly good one. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be disrespectful. Everyone yeah. goes on their learning path. Five years later, we built uh, this all-knowing, all-seeing system, which obviously is hugely respectful to the privacy rights, copper and so on. Um, having to write rules around the geography for each state because those vary by state who a mentor is and who can sign off. But hey, by the way, once you've solved it at that, we got a system that's globally scalable because we just changed the geography. Um, it keeps the kid at the center of the experience. So it's a companion app that really works with the real world thing. So we said to them, are we still going to build stands? So we tested that with kids. It is still cool for eight to 10 year olds. Um, so it's this companion app experience. And, of course, the important thing is to empower the mentor or the parent, you know, who might themselves come from a disadvantaged background. And so you want to make sure that they feel uh, empowered to be there for the kid. And obviously we're teaching them too. Um, and then all of this is wrapped in the story of Becky, you know, who just wants to buy a guitar to play in the school talent show. And where do kids get money? My parents don't have money. And so we follow Becky's hero's journey as she really starts to develop those socio-emotional skills that we know are critical. Um, and she ends up on stage, spoiler alert, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, it took us a week or two to translate it into Spanish. So, you know, localization is what we do. Um, and we've got a long-term partnership with them. And I think it shows the scalability of what we do, you know, keeping the total cost of ownership down. They are an NGO. So making sure you write this in a way that they can maintain what they need to do. And now we're looking at the whole next phase of development. So watch the space. Now, one more example, maybe, and I'll keep it in the financial services space, although we do work across anything that has an impact. We've done some work with credit committees, old-ish, um, you know, very conservative people working in banks, making financial decisions for that affect all of us. And they've had their secret source, which is their financial scorecard. And they train not to have any emotion and to apply this. And then this thing called ESG comes along. And suddenly their bank, their boards have made commitments to the sustainable development goals. They've got to consider the environment. Now, how do you get them to change their mind? Well, the answer is we're all humans and we all respond to playful design. And so we took an existing game that had been battle tested and we digitized that. And it's proving to be extremely effective in getting these credit committees to kind of rethink how they allocate the cost of capital. And until we do that, we're not going to solve the environmental crisis. So So they got 
grown adults who are in financial services to play a game. Behind the most secure firewalls you can ever imagine. (laughs) These are the people who've got the secret source of the bank. You think, you know, it's hard to get in. It's really hard. So, you know, there you're talking about a properly secure engineering system that needs to be able to surface the stuff to them. And yeah, it's, it's partly in a facilitated context. We're not the delivery partner. We don't own the IP. It belongs to somebody else. But I think it is to your point, you know, everybody learns better through a game. We call it a business simulation, so we don't scare them. Good job. <laughs> but yeah, it, everybody's going to be better through gaming. Sometimes I call them a digital role play yeah. or digital exercise. <laughs> wait, wait, I'm going to make it I have many ways <laughs> okay, to frame that. Send me, send me your list, please. I'll be using we'll that too. will exchange notes. That's so funny. So when you think about um, kind of games for positive impact mm. and you know you were at the event on monday where we met at the un to yep. hear directly from them about their sustainable goals what needs to happen to make the type of impact that we want to make the first thing is that it's a small round world and so the global south is going to potentially be the biggest victim of the environmental meltdown that will happen in our lives, Um, but potentially also the biggest victor because we will find solutions that work there and that can work anywhere in the world. And so this is not a problem that can be solved by any one country or any one hemisphere. Um, Yes, we know the, the rich north has caused a lot of the environmental challenges, but it also can't solve you know, a water crisis, life under the ocean, well, it's an ocean that knows no borders. And so so I think the first thing is we've got to zoom right out and we've got to say, you know, unless we are being properly inclusive about solutions that encompass both, you know, for Africa, Latin America and others, I, I think we're, we're going to miss an opportunity, frankly, and we're not really going to solve the problem that we set out to whichever one of the SDGs it is that we, we choose to, to uh, solve. So that's the first thing that really stood out for me. And then the reality is that, you know, when you're dealing with people of great need, and again, Africa is not poor us, aid, you know, we need your charity. That's not the mindset that I encourage or that games encourage generally because it just doesn't work that way. Agency is the antidote to hopelessness, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, You know, we've got to be able to solve this all the way up and down the food chain. So in in other words, for somebody who is, um, you know, living on borderline poverty, who's burning wood to keep things alive, needs to make a transition. How do you incentivize them? I've been talking to a lot of the UN agencies subsequent to that incredible day um, on Monday at the UN. And and we've got to solve this holistically. Um, we need to stop thinking like, you know, these things can be solved in isolation. So I'm, I'm as scared as I am, as nervous as I am, as, you know, I'm a mathematical, so I can, exponential change is happening in our lifetime. Um, I'm also excited because I, for us in Africa specifically, innovation is not a nice to have. It's an absolute necessity. And so our motivation levels could not be higher. And I think if we are just passive participants and observers of, of what happens, 
it, it, you're not going to solve the problem. And, and so we need to use the power of games to engage everybody to just change their behavior in the real world in a small way. And that cumulative effect will, will help in a big way. So, yeah. Yeah. That I was really clear from that, too. I was kind of, I was talking to someone else and saying, I was a little, I, I guess I didn't know what to think of why the UN was so interested in games for change. Mm. I, I kind of thought it was a, um, just a formality and maybe a nicety to have, but it was clear that the UN researchers have a 20-year plan. We're in year 10. They're not halfway through their goals. And it's clear it's five alarm fire over there on how to reach individual citizens. And they see games as having the reach and attention and hearts. And, and visual communication that cuts across cultures and literacy levels. Done. Yes. The marginal cost of delivering the next million players onto a platform close to zero. The data and insights that we're getting back unparalleled. There's nothing yeah. else that comes even close. And, and, and none of that matters because what else is going to give people a safe place to try new strategies out, fail safely, well, that's what a game does. So, frankly, I'm surprised it took them that long to come to the startling conclusion that you and I have known all along. What were you going to do, shout at us from adverts on TV? <laughs> How's that working? We only have 10 years left. <laughs> yeah, that's well, the problem. Exactly. So, so no, I, I think it's far more than lip service. And, and in fact, I think it's incumbent on us to, to just get into that conversation and say, we're here to help. We know how to do this. We don't have the answers, but we've got the process. And, and yeah, we I, just need the funding. Um, sorry, that wasn't clear the first time. Let me say that again. That's <laughs> <laughs> the money. Of course it is. And, and again, we know that at scale, we're incredibly cost-effective. Yeah, bring me anything else that is shifting behavior in that nuanced way. Cheap at the price. As I like to say, games are very expensive, except compared to all the alternatives. Sure. Or and if, and if you break it down per user per, per person. User. Yeah, please. There's nothing that comes close. Yeah, I agree. I agree with everything you say. <laughs> Good. That's why we needed to have this conversation. Listen, we might both be crazy, but hey, it's a good kind of crazy. Yeah, so. we won't notice maybe because we are <laughs> both are. Well, I know we talked about, you know, maybe potentially different ways that our studios could work together in the future. I'm really excited about that. I mean, Thank you. especially it feels like ripe with this work. And if we're going to be now more coordinated with the UN and their initiatives, it would make sense that we would want to form super teams with people at different parts of the world. Um, because as much as we do research around kind of the areas where we're trying to uh, reach players, it's nothing compared to the lived experience. It, it, it's 100% right, you know, and, and if we think we're competing against each other, then we've definitely both lost. Mm -hmm. And it's not in our mindset. And the reason not in our mindset is because that's not often how people show up in games. You know, if you think about it, at its core, even the competitive games require very high degrees of cooperation. And we see the most popular genres out there are ones where teams are working together to solve common objectives, etc. So I think it's in our very DNA as gamers. But of course, that's true for all humans. 
because play is the ultimate human expression. So if that's the case, it, it, it doesn't surprise me that the company should come together to work together to do that. And Games for Change Africa and Games for Change generally is, is about making the circle bigger um, because we've got big problems to solve. And if all we do is share our learnings, that too will be amazing. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think it is wonderful to know and to start to think about how we can carve out co-productions. But I'll tell you one other analogy, if I may. The shape of the industry in, in Africa, in, in many parts, many different industries, and I've done a lot of research uh, for this. I wrote a lot of the creative industry development strategy for the government. Unfortunately, they haven't implemented particularly well. But if I may, and I'm from Cape Town, so it's a wine analogy, we make a great wine, um, is a wine glass. And if you think it's 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 sort of very thin at the base and an inch deep, sort of mile wide, lots of people wanting to get into the gaming industry, etc. And then there's this incredibly thin, very vulnerable stem of businesses of about our size. And then at the top, you've got the big guys, you know, you've got Epic and Riot and, and every Google, all of them. That's a very vulnerable structure. It's very fragile if you think about it. And so we always say when companies come to, to Africa, is don't just do another game jam because all you're doing is you're feeding more people at the bottom. We call it the missing middle. It's backed by research. It's backed by our common strategies across all the vehicles that we work with. And what it means is there needs to be success. And so what that means is long-term predictable projects given to studios to allow them to succeed, whether that's in their own IP space or the work, uh, the work for hire space, doesn't really matter. Because until we start to normalize that structure, where do all these people go? You know, and, and, and they don't, you know, or they leave the continent and, and we're back to essentially a new form of colonialism, aren't we? I mean, sorry, I don't want to get too political, but that's kind of what's happening. So we're working very hard to make sure that we have demand-led strategies, long-term partnerships with companies like yours and others where we can all start to scale. Um, and I hope that visual reference gives a sense of, um, the challenge that we're really starving from a structural point of view. And it's true in many, many sectors, uh, as I say. So, did I mention Cape Town makes great wine? I don't you know. Did. Oh, no, sorry, I'm just you checking. You also invited me to come visit. Oh, did I really? I'm getting a sense of what this visit is going <laughs> to yeah. be like, and I'm not disappointed. <laughs> Good. Well, then it was such a pleasure to meet you today, to hear you speak this week, and thanks for the work you're doing with Games for Change Africa. And we're now going to be friends. Fantastic. And I wanted to say thank you so much. And well done on this podcast series because I think it's these kinds of conversations that are so critical to just spreading the word, spreading the love, you know, the passion that we have for what we do. And, and yeah, just to let other people out there know that this is a viable career and you can drive a purpose. And I think that will resonate with a lot of people. So thank you to you and to Filament. Well, and thank you. And thank you for everyone for listening. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Filament Games podcast. If you'd like to hear more about games, game-based learning, and what's happening at our studio, subscribe today on iTunes or Stitcher. And be sure to visit us at our website, filamentgames.com.